You're listening to Special Education Matters, a regular podcast about things that matter in special education. I'm your host, Michael Bull, and I am the proud father of an 18-year-old boy with autism. Want to advocate for your child? Then be sure to build relationships with as many people in the school district as possible, including teachers, principals, occupational therapists, speech therapists, and many more. These words of advice come from Valerie, my guest today. Listen, as we discuss Valerie's story, why she became and continues to be an advocate, hint, it has something to do with her daughter, a little bit about her book, and much more. Enjoy the conversation. Valerie, thanks so much for joining me on the program today. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. I'm excited to talk with you as well, and we'll start off with some of the early questions, which are what sort of services do you provide and what parts of California do you cover? Okay, well, I provide a very large amount of services uh, in which I provide parents' advocacy. Uh, the first thing I love to do is, of course, I meet with the parents and have an, um, an intake, and I also will meet and observe the child. And then I uh, get the entire CUME file from the school district, and I'll review the child's full history and what's taken place so far. I'll, I'll review previous assessments. I might talk to the teachers, uh, the children's doctors, um, some of the special ed staff and administrators that they're working with. Then I cover and make sure that all the child has been assessed in all areas of their suspected disability. And most of the time, I will ask for IEEs to cover Mm -hmm. the majority of the areas that they have been found eligible for which is extremely important, I think, in developing the appropriate supports and services for that child. Sure. Uh, then I might go and do a possible observation at the school site if I feel it's necessary for that particular case. Uh, then I also attend um, FHT meetings, 504 meetings, and then, of course, the IEP meeting yeah. and uh, help the parents go through the IEP process. Uh, I uh, then go in that through that IEP process at the IEP meetings, develop the appropriate goals and objectives, all the accommodations and supports and services that are appropriate to meet the needs of that child. And then if necessary, I might have to go through the complaint process with the parents and a possible dispute resolution in order to get the services that the parents are looking to gain for their child. Um, and in that process, I might have to do a negotiation with the district administrators, possible informal meetings, write legal letters, have emails and phone calls and all that. That would go into um, um, resolving whatever the dispute might be. Gotcha. And what parts of California do you find yourself usually covering and helping people in? Uh, I am mostly focused on the Corona Norco area because mm-hmm. that's just my home and where my uh, children also attended school. And I'm also very familiar with all the uh, district administrators and most everyone I know in Corona Norco because we've lived there for 28 years. And so it's, it's, it's nice because when you have a re- good relationships, um, you know, lasting and um, respectful professional relationships with, with the district administrators, it makes it a lot easier to advocate Absolutely. So uh, let's get into your maybe your story a little bit. So you have a, a lot of ways a common story on why you decided to become an advocate, and it has to do something mm-hmm. with your daughter. Can you tell us about mm-hmm. 
sure. So uh, when my daughter was uh, three years old, she was diagnosed with autism and a seizure disorder. And the uh, whole team, developmental pediatric team at UCLA, uh, gave me the very bleak prognosis that Chanel would never talk, she would never write, she would never read, and she most likely would have to be institutionalized. So with that, I, of course, started seeking out other help and getting second opinions and finding out, because at that point, I knew absolutely nothing. I, I didn't really even understand or knew what autism was. So I immediately went to work and started doing my research and finding out, and then, of course, was um, thrown into the IEP whole mm, new universe mm-hmm. of information that I had no idea what that was, <laughs> as most parents don't. And uh, and then the, uh, my first IEP that I went to, uh, I got lied to. Um, the program specialist just oh. flat out lied to me about a service, which then spurred me into this is, I can't believe this is happening. How could they not give me what my child needs? Because I had gone to an autistic specialist that Right. You know, wrote down the whole list. You need to get an OT assessment. You need to get a psychoeducational assessment. You need to get an ABA assessment and gave me the whole list of all these names and assessments that I'd never heard of. And I went in and said, okay, this is what I'm supposed to do. And she said, oh, no, your child doesn't need OT. That, that's for children in wheelchairs. And, and so then I went and looked and I'm like, what is she talking about? And so yeah, I knew okay. she lying to me. And so the light went off very early for me when, when she was very long, thank goodness, because I have parents that come to me when their child's in high school. And so, and the light didn't go off that, Hey, I need help. And Hey, my child isn't getting their needs met very late in life. But, you know, I always tell the parents, you know what, everybody's light goes off at a different time. You can't (laughs) go back, you go forward and we, we meet the needs of the child now. So I started through the IEP process at that point, um, um, just gaining all the knowledge and information I could I could find, and became successful in meeting the needs of my child. She was placed in a um, non-public school, mm-hmm. and I developed her IEP very well. And then other parents started asking me to help them, so I started helping them. And the next thing I knew, I had an advocacy business. So in a way, it was an <laughs> accidental advocate. <laughs> It sounds like it was, it was, I had no <laughs> idea, um, when I was, you know, in my, uh, thirties that I would be, end up being an advocate. That's not what I went to school for, but you know, I call myself a non-attorney advocate. I have worked with attorneys over the years. I've assisted in the due process, um, you know, area and, but I, I really don't enjoy that area. I'm not, mm-hmm. a, you know, I'm not an attorney. I didn't go to law school. And I much more prefer to uh, gain the services that children need through the IP process because it's just makes more sense to me. Um, you, you're building relationships with districts, staff members, teachers, and administrators, and and due process can be pretty pretty taxing and stressful, and, and it does really wear on relationships. Sure. So you've been going for, gosh, it looks like about 20 years or so. What has kept you going? I mean, your daughter is older, so she's out of the school system. uh, So you're sort of done in that respect. But what's kept you going all those years? 
Well, I, I love what I do. I love advocating for special needs children. I just adore them. I feel like it's kind of like a calling for me to do this. This is really what I was meant to do. Because even uh, when I started out with Chanel and once I started helping other parents, mm-hmm. it came very naturally to me. It just, I, I just, when, even when I was early on reading the law and assessments, it, I picked up on it very quickly. I could understand it and it just was a natural thing for me to do. So, so it's, it's something that I was meant to do and I love doing it. And, uh, I, I've advocated for kids from the time they're three and a half years old mm-hmm. until they graduate high school and keep that relationship. Parents have actually kept me for their child's entire <laughs> school career. And, and I've built, you know, lifelong bonds with these families. And, and I get to see the benefit that I have helped to create for that child's life, you know, and, and getting them the services they need because education you know, it's changes the trajectory of that child's life, getting their needs mm-hmm. met throughout the school. And so, you know, I, I mean, in a lot of ways, it's, it's, you know, making the difference between having a child be placed maybe in a group home or not being independent and being a taxing adult holding a job and, and being placed in a home and, and not knowing how to take care of themselves. So it's a, it's a huge, you know, um, gift to be able to have that kind of an impact on a child's life. Well, so speaking of gift, I mean, it, it, it appears or it seems pretty obvious that you're looking to reach out to more than just the specific clients that you're working with because you've written a book, you do speaking engagements. Why don't you tell mm-hmm. us a little bit about what some of the reasons you wrote a book, why you do speaking engagements, and what sort of things you're looking to communicate with that effort? Uh, I wrote the book for parents to give them hope, number one, because I include Chanel's success story in that book. Um, you know, as I said, she, they gave her that leak prognosis, and today she is um, doing really well. She holds a job at the Prudential Dog Groomer uh, at a, at a um, called the Doggy Spa, and she loves her job. She loves animals. She's very independent there. She is just nothing, uh, uh, looks nothing like what I was told would Mm -hmm. be, you know, her her ceiling or or how far she would go. And so it it was a message and kind of, you know, my gift to parents to, you know, don't always believe what the specialists or the experts or the doctors might tell you, but because no one can predict the future. And, and you never know where, where your child is going to be and how much they can accomplish and what their potential is. And so, you know, and early intervention, of course, as we all know, is, is key. And, and, yeah. and it's great if parents do that. But, you know, it's never, you never lose hope. I mean, Chanel's still learning and growing at 27 years old. So, mm-hmm. you know, they, they're always uh, um, learning new things and growing. There's always things that you can do for them to, to get. And now it's just working with Department of Rehabilitation and, you know, job finding and, and um, life skills and, and, you know, getting her more, into, more and more independent. So it really never really stops. Well, I want to take a little bit of but, a But uh, also back to my Oh, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead, please. Go ahead. I, I wanted to just finish my, my book piece. But then also the second um, half of that, the reason I wrote my book was mm-hmm. uh, to also let parents know the foundational information they need to know about beginning to advocate for their child. 
Uh, so I do delve into that quite a bit in my book and so that parents can have kind of a, a, a strong foundation to, to start off um, delving into uh, special education law and how to learn how to be a strong advocate for their child. Uh, we talked about that before the show. You're not given that information anywhere else. You have to seek it on your own, right? That's right. Yes, yes. Yeah, you can't depend on um, the district to to give you that information of what your parental rights are, what's available to your child, and even um, to get down to the foundation or the basis of, you know, w- what the deficits are of your child. So if parents don't know what kind of assessments to ask for to find out, you know, why is it my child reading? Why is it my child writing? Why does my child have these behaviors or whatever the case may be? Because there's so many different areas of deficits that, that these things, these, these deficits can be, you know, based from. Um, there's vision therapy issues, auditory integration issues, and there's, there's assessments for all those areas, many things that parents have never even heard of and don't even know the district will assess for. So that's very important. So I was going to take a turn here and talk to you or ask you about mm-hmm. uh, relationships. So you, you know, you, you're saying, you know, 18 to 20 years in, in a district and, and you, you know a lot of people at that point. How valuable have you found mm-hmm. having those relationships with district employees been to you? And what sort of approach do you find is the best way to get the services for a child? So I find that building relationships with your teachers, with your program specialists, with district administrators, if you do deal with them, your principal at the school site is key because um, we know that the district is an institution and it's really an institution of bureaucracy. So you have to learn to play the game and, and building those relationships is, is half of that game because if, if, you come in and be adversarial or you be emotional and that is not going to get you anywhere. So it's, it's knowing how to um, set yourself up as, as, you know, knowing your child, you can be an expert on your child and, and Mm -hmm. that's by, you know, knowing, uh, doing your research, getting the assessments, finding out really the cause and the needs of your child, and then building those relationships of respect and trust with your school district and working together to meet the needs of the child, because that's when things go awry, I think, is when power plays come in and, you know, um, um, anger and emotions flare in, mm-hmm. in the IEP meetings. And um, that relationship is really foundational to, to the district uh, staff working with the parent and being respectful with that parent and having successful IEP meetings. Yeah, it, it's a difficult situation. That so we're here. We are advocating for our child, where we'll get more emotional than ever. But we're, yeah. we're told, and rightly, that the best thing we can do is not be. So it's 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 tough. I know. It's it's one of the hardest things. It is the hardest thing to do. It it is the hardest thing to do. It's not easy. It's not because uh, I mean I know even when I went here I was an advocate and I mm-hmm. but I was still going to IT meetings for my own daughter and I I know because I would go in there and I know what to do but then my brain would go to mush because once you become emotional then you yeah. can't think anymore so you just have <laughs> to be prepared you have to have everything written down you have to have your agenda which is one of the things I do at every IT meeting is. I have a parent agenda sure, that yeah. I submit 
to, to them and we go down and we make sure that we go over every issue on the parent agenda and address every issue, have it documented in the IEP. And, and so, yeah, being organized is key. Gotcha. Do you ever find, I'm just curious when, so I haven't asked this question before, but so when you're advocating, do you ever find memories of your past meetings have come up that involved your daughter and you sort of start thinking about that while you're working with somebody else's child? Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, I will share that with parents all the time. Uh, I'll say, well, that happened to my daughter or my daughter was in this situation and this is how I handled it. Or it happens constantly all the time. I can, I can always relate to a parent situation or something that they, a service that they're wanting to get or yeah, it happens all the time. So, Valerie, if somebody wanted to get a hold of you and also what, wanted to read your book, could you tell us what's the best way to get a hold of you, the title of your book, and the best place to find it? Okay, the title of my book is Advocating for Your Special Needs Angel. And uh, you can pick it up on Amazon. And um, I think it's in most bookstores now, too. But you can definitely pick it up on Amazon. Um, my website is advocatesforangels.com advocates plural for angels.com and uh, my uh, email is um, vasbet for Valerie Abrahamian Special Education which is v-a-s-p-e-d at sbcglobal.net Valerie thank you so much for your time today I really enjoyed getting to know you better thank you Michael Thanks for listening to another edition of Special Education Matters. For more information, including show notes, head to our website, csnlg.com slash listen. And if you like what you hear, please uh, consider giving us a review on iTunes. Those reviews bring us lots of happiness. I'm your host, Michael Bull, and we will talk again soon. <laughs>